Welcome to Quantitative Health with your host, Paul Kilgore. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Dr. Paul Kilgore, and today we're going to talk about a very important topic that has been in the news uh, for the past several months and will probably continue to be in the news for the foreseeable future, and that is prostate cancer. Yes, we're going to talk about prostate cancer today in part because there has been news in this area and also because it is, in fact, one of the leading causes of cancer in the United States and globally a very, very important cause of cancer. So in 2016, in the United States, prostate cancer, in fact, was the number one uh, cause of cancer. Yes. So in the United States, we had rates in 2016 of about 100 cases per 100,000 men in the United States. And it also is an important cause of cancer deaths. It's the number two cause of cancer deaths in men in the United States. So very important to know about that. And uh, so in addition, when we look at who gets affected by cancer, and specifically prostate cancer, we know that there's a preponderance or the highest rates among black men. Very important to note. Second most common or second highest rate is in white men and followed by Hispanics. So very important to know those uh, bits of information of who's affected. Now, if we take a look at the prostate cancer origin itself, it's actually coming from cells in a gland. It's about the size of a walnut located right below the bladder. And this position is very important, as I'll talk about later, when we talk about screening and testing, further testing and either treatment. Okay. Now, one thing that's very important to note is that prostate cancer is originating from cells in the prostate gland. And in general, when we talk about prostate cancer, we're talking about a cancer that would be malignant. Now, malignancy uh, refers to cancer that can spread or cancer that spreads beyond its origin, site of origin. And in this case, we're talking about prostate cancer that starts out in the prostate gland and then cancer cells if the, if the cancer grows f um, uh, without um, control or without treatment, can expand beyond the capsule or the fi uh, fibrous uh, containment uh, outer layer of the prostate gland, and that leads to spread and metastasis into other parts of the body. So that's one of the reasons why we screen for prostate cancer. Now, when we talk about screening for prostate cancer, it's been controversial, and really there's two methods that are used initially to screen for prostate cancer. One is a, a digital rectal examination, the DRE. This is where the glove finger of the physician is feeling the prostate gland surface. And the reason that's important is that when you feel the surface of the prostate gland, typically it should be smooth. That outer capsule layer should be smooth. The surface should be rounded. And if it is abnormal, you will detect or feel rough uh, surface on the capsule of the prostate gland, and that suggests the need for further investigation. Now, the other test that has, of course, been around since the 1980s uh, for detection of prostate cancer is the PSA, or prostate-specific antigen. The PSA is a blood test, so in order to get that test result, we draw a blood sample, and then it's run in the laboratory according to standard methods, and we get a result um, based on the test sample. And uh, please note that the prostate-specific antigen test result can change over time. 
it can go down, it can go up, and it can vary um, according to different factors that we'll talk about. But um, the key point to note is that the PSA um, can be elevated in prostate cancer. There are also other conditions that can cause the PSA level to be elevated, and we'll talk about that as well. Now, one of the reasons why the prostate-specific antigen test has become important is that in some cases, um, it will identify folks that have a high level and then there's varying degrees of elevation of the test result that you can get back. And then based on that test result, the physician with you, the patient, would make a decision about further evaluation, either through an imaging test or possibly through a biopsy of the prostate gland to look for cancer cells. So that's very important when we talk about looking uh, further for cancer and screening uh, for prostate cancer. Now, in the past, um, it's always been felt that early detection of cancer and early detection of prostate cancer specifically is ideal. And of course, one of the reasons for that is that once the cancer metastasizes or spreads in a malignant situation, then it can be very difficult to treat and cure. Okay, so let's step back just for a minute and talk a little bit more about how prostate cancer affects people in the United States. So there are an estimated 174,000 men in the United States who will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in any given year. Now, when we talk about this, most of the cases are diagnosed in men 65 and older. Okay. Now, the average age of diagnosis is 66 years, and the disease can occur before age 40, but it's very rare, relatively speaking. Okay. And as I mentioned before, the risk of prostate cancer is about 60% higher in black men compared with white men. So that's very important to note. Um, it's also important to note that if the cancer is found and if it's found to have spread, uh, then when we talk about metastatic prostate cancer, the survival rate or the five-year survival rate, which is commonly quoted, is about 30%. Okay? So... Um, on average, in the United States, we see about 31,000 men every year who will die of prostate cancer. And so you can easily see that it's going to be very important for us to learn much more about this and understand how we can recognize the signs and symptoms and how we can prevent it. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit more the anatomy. Now, the prostate gland is located, as I mentioned, below the bladder. It also sits right next to the rectum and above the penis. And as you may have heard, there's a tube carrying urine from the bladder to the penis. And actually, that urine passes through that tube that is in, passes through the middle of the prostate gland. And so when we get an enlarged prostate, that tube actually gets compressed. And that can lead to urine retention in the bladder and also difficulty releasing urine um, as the prostate gland enlarges. That condition without cancer uh, can occur, and we call that condition benign prostatic hypertrophy, or BPH. Okay, great. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the other risk factors that we know about prostate cancer. There are, in fact, risk factors uh, related to family history. 
Now, prostate cancer can run in families. Um, it does occur. It's called familial prostate cancer. There are some genes that have been identified as well as environmental lifestyle factors that may predispose individuals to develop cancer uh, in a familial pattern. Now, there also are some genes that have been identified um, associated with an increased risk of prostate cancer. And I won't go into those all today, but uh, the key point I wanted to mention is that these genes actually can be de detected and can be monitored and uh, checked. So we'll talk more about that in future episodes related to prostate cancer. I also want to mention that in, you may have heard during the Vietnam War, the use of Agent Orange was quite uh, prolific. And this is a chemical used uh, as a defoliant. And it's, it turns out that uh, exposure to Agent Orange um, is also a potential risk factor for prostate cancer. Okay. Uh, of course, there's dietary exposures and dietary habits that are important. And we're going to talk about that as we talk about reducing the risk of cancer in general in future episodes. Okay. Now, it's important to note that when we talk about screening for prostate cancer, we're talking about the digital rectal exam. Of course, you need that done. And the PSA is also uh, something that can be done. Now, uh, let's talk about the recommendations for using the PSA. Okay. Cancer specialists in the United States uh, are recommending that men who do not have symptoms of prostate cancer not receive the PSA screening, okay, if they're expected to live less than 10 years. But, of course, who's going to know that? And so uh, that's quite difficult to predict, right? Now, for men who are expected to live longer than 10 years, uh, the cancer specialists do recommend they talk, that patients talk with your doctor to find out if the test is appropriate for them. Okay, now... How do we move forward from that? So there is an organization in the United States called the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, or USPSTF. USPSTF had previously concluded that the potential risks of a PSA screening in healthy men outweighed the benefits. In other words, there is more risk of having the PSA done than not having it done. Okay. Now, the latest recommendations have been modified. And so currently, what we read is that screening can be done in men 55 through 69 years of age. And those men in that age group should have a discussion with their doctor to talk about the pros and cons of PSA screening, okay, before making a decision to have the PSA done. Men who are six, sorry, men who are 70 years and older should not have a routine PSA test done for prostate cancer. Now, uh, both the American Urologic Association and the American Cancer Society recommend that men be told the risks and benefits of testing before the PSA test is done. Okay, so they can make an informed decision with their doctor about whether or not to go ahead with the test. Okay, and so... Of course, when we think about results of the digital rectal examination, we think about having a PSA done and talking about family risk factors, all of that comes into the conversation you would have or men should have with their doctor. And the reason for this is that when you have a PSA done and the test comes back elevated, then the doctors need to talk with you about whether or not to move forward with having a biopsy or not or just watching it. And, and kind of waiting or doing other imaging tests. 
That's going to be important because in some people who have an elevated test, they may not have any symptoms at all. Okay? But let's first now talk about some of the signs and symptoms of prostate cancer. And so these are signs and symptoms that can um, occur at any time, and they include the following. Frequent urination, so going to the bathroom often. A weak or interrupted urine flow, okay, or the need to strain and push hard to empty the bladder. Another uh, risk factor or a sign, another sign, a symptom to watch out for in prostate cancer is the urge to urinate frequently at night. Also, if you see blood in the urine, that's a potential sign or symptom. And blood and seminal fluid would be another. Also, new onset erectile dysfunction is a sign or symptom of prostate cancer. And also, pain or burning during urination, um, although it's less common, can be a sign or symptom of prostate cancer. And finally, discomfort or pain when sitting, um, which can be caused by an enlarged prostate gland. Okay, so that's important to note. And so what happens next? Uh, of course, if those, any of those signs or symptoms are present, uh, of course, the recommendation would be go in to see your doctor immediately, um, have that looked at, and you may also be referred to or need to see a urologist for further examination and evaluation. All those signs and symptoms are very important. So frequent urination, weak or interrupted urine flow, the urge to urinate frequently at night, blood in the urine, blood in seminal fluid, a new onset erectile dysfunction, pain or burning during urination, and or discomfort when sitting caused by the enlarged prostate. Okay, so keep those in mind. Now, if the cancer has spread, and of course there will be some men who identified by the doctor. Uh, they Maybe they haven't seen a, a physician or a clinician in a long time. They go in for an examination, or actually they go in because they're complaining of these uh, signs and symptoms. And what we would be very concerned about is if someone presents with pain in the back or in the hip region, on the thighs, even the shoulders or other bones, um, then that's something that needs to be looked into further. Also, if there's swelling or fluid buildup in the legs or feet, that's another sign of, and symptom of prostate cancer, which many men might not connect with the prostate. Now, another sign and symptom of more uh, distant spread for prostate cancer is unexplained weight loss, also fatigue, and change in bowel habits. Okay, All of those, if you have them or if you know anyone that's experiencing them, those are things that should be looked at, looked into further, um, and really discussed with a medical expert, a physician, um, as soon as possible. Okay, now, um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that once someone presents to a clinician and is coming in for evaluation of prostate cancer or has a PSA done, okay, um, one of the things that's going to be important to understand is whether or not a biopsy should be done. Okay, and so if someone presents with clear-cut enlarged prostate um, and there's other signs and symptoms uh, that suggest the uh, cancer may be present, particularly a very high PSA, uh, then the doctor will talk to the patient about doing a biopsy. Okay, the biopsy is actually done with a needle and it's um, a procedure that 
takes a small amount of tissue and allows that tissue to be sent to a laboratory so that the doctors in the laboratory can look at that the sample and see if there are cells that are consistent with prostate cancer. Okay, And that's very important because when the PSA is very high and there's an abnormal digital rectal exam or and either one of those are present and a biopsy is done, then that biopsy can be really instructive to understand whether or not cancer is there or not. Okay, now um, all those are important to discuss with your doctor and certainly when we talk about the PSA, um, the good news is that there's further research being done to develop more specific tests that are more accurate in detecting the presence or absence of prostate cancer. And so one of those is the free PSA test. Okay, this is a version of the PSA test that actually allows doctors to measure a specific component. Uh, The free PSA is found in the blood and is not connected or or bound to proteins in the blood. And so it gives us another measure of how much PSA is being released from the prostate gland. And actually, that can be evaluated in combination with the total PSA. And knowing that ratio can sometimes be helpful in looking at the presence of prostate cancer. I mentioned the DRE, the digital rectal exam. So when you go to the doctor or, or your, your loved one goes to the doctor, having the DRE done by the doctor is important to make sure the prostate gland feeling is correct. Okay, feeling is normal. Okay. Abnormalities can be detected on the DRE, the digital rectal exam. And then finally, I want to mention that there are new biomarker tests that have been developed. A biomarker is a substance that's found in blood or can be in urine or body tissue of individuals that may have cancer. Okay. And that biomarker is actually produced by the cancer cells. And so if it's present, that can tell us whether or not the cancer is there. Okay, and sometimes we call it a tumor marker. And so in the case of prostate cancer, there is something called the 4K score. Four, as in the number four, the letter K, and then the word score. Um, And that's something that we'll talk about in future episodes to tell you how that's used. And then there's something else that's being calculated called the Prostate Health Index, or PHI, which also tries to predict the chances of a man developing prostate cancer. Okay, now um, a couple more things I wanted to mention about the PSA. And the PSA is something that is likely going to be discussed um, for years to come um, until we get a better test. Um, But essentially, we know that there are other things that can raise the PSA level. And this is one of the challenges of the PSA test. Uh, Number one, uh, the PSA can be elevated with an, just an enlarged prostate that occurs as men get older. And that condition I mentioned to you before is BPH or benign prostatic hyperplasia or hypertrophy. Okay. BPH can raise PSA levels. Um, also, the PSA can be raised when there's inflammation of the pr- prostate gland or an infection of the prostate gland. And we call that prostatitis. Okay. That's inflammation or infection in the prostate gland. And also, as men get older, the PSA levels normally increase with age. Okay. Now, also, the PSA can be lowered by certain drugs. Yes, certain drugs can actually lower the PSA PSA levels. Okay. And that can occur with certain chemotherapies. And also, 
obesity can lower the PSA level, okay? And so the, T, the PSA can sometimes be misleading, and that's the challenge in interpreting the test result, okay? And so an elevated PSA does not necessarily mean that you have cancer, and that's one of the challenges in interpreting the test, okay? So many men, on the other hand, who have prostate cancer can also have a normal PSA, okay? So it is definitely not a perfect test. Um, nevertheless, um, it has been used for several years, and of course, the concern in using the PSA is that there will be what we call overdiagnosis. In other words, men who have a positive PSA or a high elevated PSA will be then uh, determined to have cancer, um, but that actually requires further evaluation, including uh, discussion with the doctor, looking at other tests, possibly looking at other biomarkers. The DRE is important, and even a biopsy may need to be done, so that's very important to talk with your doctor about. Okay, and so the biopsy itself that I wanted to mention is not risk-free. And there's certain things that your doctor would inform you about um, that are important to know, including the fact that there will be pain associated with it, potentially. There may be bleeding, and there is a risk of infection as well. Um, so that's important. And also, the fact that you have the test done um, uh, can also lead potentially to some erectile dysfunction uh, issues as well. So that's all important to talk with your doctor about. And I think that's why when we talk about the PSA, it's possible that men would have it measured or actually um, detected uh, year after year. And as the test is measured, it's measured in nanograms per ml. So this is very, very low concentrations, nanograms per, nanograms per milliliter of blood. And so when we measure the test at different points in time, if the test is increasing rapidly, that is important to know because if we measure from one test result to the next PSA, so PSA 1 to PSA 2, and we see a rapid increase, then that could suggest the presence of cancer or the fact that the prostate cancer is growing or maybe even extending beyond the normal location of the prostate gland. So the velocity of the PSA increase is important. That's something you can talk with the doctors about as well. Okay. Um, also, what's been looked at is the percentage of free PSA. And I mentioned the free PSA that circulates in blood. And that also can be an important measure to potentially look at um, as um, sequential testing may be done. Okay. Now, as always, you need to talk with your doctor about the test before you have it done, understand the risks and benefits of it, and understand what you would do if you have a positive or elevated PSA level, okay? That's going to be very important uh, because potentially when you have the test done, you could find yourself having an elevated PSA level. Okay, so we're going to come back and talk much more about prostate cancer going forward, some of the new treatments, some of the new screening tools, how we quantify it over time so you can stay healthy um, and keep your prostate healthy as well. Okay, thank you very much.